welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host of the Out of the Rep podcast. My name is Justin Rutkowski. For those of you who do not know me, uh, happy two-year anniversary, by the way, to the podcast. We've been doing this about two years uh, now. I am uh, working remotely today, as are most people in 2022. Producer Joe is not with me today. I'm doing a solo show out here on the east side of the state with my cousin, Sal Shrina. How you doing, man? How's it going, man? Good, good, good to see you. Good to have you aboard. Um, yeah, thanks was, for having me. Yeah, this, thanks for having me in Absolutely. your home yeah. on the east side. <laughs> the, 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 the show went on the road today, so we're, right. we're right. out here talking. Uh, we're going to talk some wine today, which is something that is pretty much out of my wheelhouse. Sure. So, um, but before we get into that, I would just be quick. Thank you to our sponsors from Defender Gear. Um, Defender Gear is patriotic uh, men's and women's apparel. Um, if you like um, your country and you're a patriot and you're not a communist, you'll probably enjoy it. <laughs> Click the link in the description to get 15% off your first order. I actually just so happen to be rocking uh, one of their t-shirts today. Uh, pretty badass. So um, again, if you're, if you're a communist, probably don't bother checking it out. But if you're, uh, if you're an American patriot, um, go get you some swag, hats, hoodies, all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, we are going to get into it right now. So um, first, did you, so did you grow up on the east side of the state? Have you been out here your whole life? Yeah, my whole life. So uh, me and my sister grew up in Rochester Hills. And then in 2008 or 2009, uh, as a family, we moved out to Macomb. Now, since then, I've lived in various parts of Shelby or Shelby Township, which is you know where we're at today. And uh, Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, so go, growing up, um, did you, cause now not to get too far into it, but you're sure. on your own entrepreneur. Well, and yeah. yeah. You all, were you the kid like in fifth grade on the playground, like selling candy bars and <laughs> stuff like that? Did you just always have that in your DNA or? Was well, it- uh, you know, a, a lot of it came from watching my father. So you, my father owned his own business in different variations throughout mm-hmm. the years, you know, and you know, most guys want to grow up to be like their father. And, yep. Yeah. So I'm going to work for himself and he was the owner of the company and there was always an alert to that, you know, and then, um, of course I wanted to go work for dad mm-hmm. as soon as I could, you know, yeah. which at 13, my dad, my dad owned a meat department. He's okay. like, you're not coming to work in a meat department at 13, <laughs> you know? So, uh, but I worked inside the store he was in, that was close enough, you know? So I was like bagging groceries or, or produce or whatnot. But then when I became 18 or 19, you know, he allowed me to start come working for him and uh, yeah, I mean, it was like infectious, mm-hmm. you know, to be like everything that's going on, all the sales that are happening, uh, you know, orders coming in, orders going on. I mean, this is all a creation of, you know, himself. So, yeah, I mean, part of me always said that, you know, one day, you know, I want to own my own business. Mm-hmm. You know? For sure. So um, did you did you end up going to college at all? You know, school's never really my thing. Yeah, um, I can relate to you on yeah, that. And out of high school, I did what I think what most people do. And they're like, well, I'm supposed to go to college. Like mm-hmm. that's the next step. Right. So I did, I don't know. I think I did a year at Oakland community. And then I think I tried like a semester or two at Macomb community. And then like, I took out a loan for like, you know, that semester at mm-hmm. Macomb. And I think I, I don't think I bought a single book. I think I bought like a new sound system for my car. And I, was just, <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is, you know, this is, ju- I'm just treading water, like mm-hmm. wasting money, wasting time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'd been used to working, um, I mean, all throughout high school. I mean, but by junior, senior year, I mean, I was normally putting in like 35, 40 hour work weeks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even though I was trying to take these night classes because I thought it was, it's what I was supposed to do and, you know, just nothing, 
that I was now, you know, school, high school was free. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm paying money for something I'm just absolutely not interested in. I was yeah. like, I, you know, so, um, yeah. So, so what did you do after, after you, you made the decision like, Hey, college ain't my thing. Right. Like, so what was, what was that path like? Uh, well, so at the time I was working at Kroger and, um, I went from being just like a meat clerk slash meat cutter, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I got promoted to one, uh, one of their seafood departments. Um, so I was a seafood manager for Kroger for, you know, a couple of years. And I mean, I was, I liked what I did, you know, I was in retail, retail meat and seafood, which is, you know, what I grew up in. And, um, and then, uh, I just kind of went all in on that. And then eventually I got promoted to be the meat manager at a new program that they were building, uh, which is right out here. Um, and then that led into uh, me getting into the wholesale side of things. So then I worked for a company called Restaurant Depot, um, which has, you know, two, three locations in Michigan, but like 150 throughout the state. And it was wholesale food service. So other grocery stores could shop there. A lot of, a lot of restaurants shop there. And I ran the meat department there. So it was like this gradual, you know, retail is what I was comfortable with. It's what I knew. Um, and then it kind of made that next step into the wholesale side of things. Okay, cool. Um, so you ended up, um, getting into the wine sales business. Um, yeah. what made you like outside of just enjoying alcohol? Like sure. I do, like right. what made you want to start right. slinging wine? Well, I, <clears throat> that's an important piece, right? You know, um, I was told many times by many different people, right? Like, you know, find something that you're good at and then make a career out of it. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty good at drinking, <laughs> you know? So, uh, you know, I, was, I, I was in the restaurant side of the business and, uh, I went, you know, from bartending into management and part of my duties was to, you know, understand and learn wine and, you know, train the rest of the staff on it. And that was my real first introduction into wine because I didn't know anything about wine, but that was my responsibility to train our staff on wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the first thing that I ever found studying. I was having a blast. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, school was not my thing. Yeah. And, you know, I found myself getting off of 12, 13 hour shifts at, you know, 11, 11 o'clock at night, midnight, going home and then realizing it was three o'clock in the morning because I was, you know, 50 pages into, you know, the wine Bible or, or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it was an interest of mine. So, um, you know, me being ADD and, and loving to talk to people and, you know, so the restaurant industry like fed a lot of that, which mm-hmm. was great. Yeah. Um, but I hated being in a single building, mm-hmm. right? Like driving to work, going into the building and then being in that building for eight, nine, 10 hours, whatever it was. I mean, it was like, the ADD animal, animal in me, you know, wanted to go out, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, I had had reps that were calling on me being the buyer for the restaurant. Um, a few of them were like, you know, Hey man, if you ever want to entertain the idea of wine sales, we think you'd be great. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, oh, okay. and then, you know, that the restaurant industry is tough. It's, it's, it, a, it's a grueling it's a industry. And you know, those recommendations started to make a little more sense. And I said, well, you know, maybe we'll give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so that was, that was January of 2017. That was the first time I took a, a, a sales rep. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. Yeah. Uh, so um, in that process, at some point along the way, you, uh, you met Chelsea, who's my cousin. Correct. I know Chelsea and I have, I mean, we, I, w- I can't say that we grew up together because we are always three, three and a half hours away, right. but we have such a, you know, for the longest time, we always had such this family dynamic and we still have this today where 
anytime I were to show up at a family function here on the East, we were always kind of like the black sheep of the family because <laughs> not like 95% of y'all live on like in Macomb on the East side. Right. And uh, we either lived up in Northern Michigan or over in Grand Rapids. So, but like every time we showed up to it, a family function, like you, like we're like always so welcome and we pick up right where we left off. Like right. nothing changed. Family. And then you're, you're like an extension of that too. <laughs> you just like fit right well, in with you. everyone. Yeah. Um, so how, like, how, how did you and Chelsea meet? So at the restaurant that I was referring to, you know, when I had to train the staff, uh, it was a new restaurant that was opening on this side of town, <clears throat> excuse me. And, and, uh, before the restaurant was open, they were holding training, mm -hmm. you know, so the staff was ready, you know, for grand opening. And uh, I walked into, you know, one of these training things and, uh, I was outside waiting for it to begin and Chelsea walked up and. So that, you know, hello. And I held the door open for her and, uh, you know, she was a waitress there. Okay. You know, and, and I was a bartender and, um, I think within, I don't know, like two, like within two months of me holding that door open for her, I mean, it was like, uh, like, okay, we're, mm -hmm. we're together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. What's a, what's a funny story where, um, you like, you said something nice to her. You're like, you know, you're, you're trying to be a sweetheart. And she was like, nah, I'm not really interested. Was there ever that, or was there like chemistry from day one? Uh, well, both, both. Yeah. Okay. So there was always chemistry from day one, uh -huh. but you know, Chelsea will tell yourself that she's not, she's a very loving person, but she's not like the lovey dovey, like sweetheart, cute little thing. So there's For a time sure. that's like, you know, early on when I was like, you no, know, trying to impress her. And she's like, you know, you don't have to do that. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, is so, but mm -hmm. at the same time, no, I mean, it was instantaneous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was instantaneous, the chemistry. And, um, I mean, to the point where, you know, that was my main gig. Yeah. And, you know, Chelsea being Chelsea, right. I mean, she was taking, I don't know, 12 credit hours or I think maybe closer to 16 actually. Um, and she already had two part-time jobs. This was a third part-time job. That she oh, wow. I mean, just a hustler, yep. a grinder, hard work, you know? Yeah. And it got to the point where it's like, well, this is just a side gig for you. This is my main gig. It'd probably be better for us if we didn't work together. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not leaving, you know, and she was like, you know, I could use the extra time. So, <laughs> yeah. So she ended up leaving the restaurant, uh -huh. you know, but yeah. No, that's cool. No, it's funny too, because I've most, most of the couples that I know and myself included, like you have very like vast personality differences. Like you may have some things in common, some common interests, but like right. personalities are very similar. And I see like I see you and Chelsea being very similar personalities with yeah. that. We're, we're the same person. Yeah. It's, we're both, we're it's the hilarious. same, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, we were just talking about this last night, but you know, it's the opposite of track mm -hmm. and, and maybe, you know, but as far as Chelsea and I go, I mean, you know, I'm the male version of her. And she's the female <laughs> version of me. I mean, that's, you know, which makes it very easy. It's yeah. like, you know, there's never an argument about like, what should we do? Cause we're always thinking on the same wavelength. Yeah. But I mean, even when we were, you know, getting this going, Mm -hmm. You know, there was, you know, never a doubt from, you know, Chelsea that was like, no, this is like absolutely, absolutely what's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. It wasn't uh, maybe you should sit and think about this. I mean, it was just, you know, all in. Yeah. You know? No, that's really cool. It's yeah. great to, it's great to have a partner that, that has your back like that. Very much. Yeah. Very much. Making, that very jump, lucky. yeah. making that jump isn't easy. So. No, it's not. It's scary. You know, so when you make that jump, like having someone to make it with you is, is, is very beneficial. Definitely. You know? So speaking of that jump, so you did, you know, outside wine sales for, right. for years. And then right. at what point were you, were you like, yeah, I could, I could do this on my own. So, uh, you know, so t 2020 was an odd year, obviously. Yep. 
Um, and it created not just in our industry, I'm sure in every industry, but it created a major shakeup in wine importing, wine distribution, sales reps. I mean, a lot of, you know, there was just, there was people leaving the industry. There was companies being bought and sold. I mean, it was all over the place. Yep. And, you know, Chelsea and I had, were very casually talking about starting a business prior to that. And we kind of, when all this shakeup started happening, we kind of looked at each other and was like, well, you know, if it's not now, like if now's not the time to enter the market, like, you know, when would it be? Um, but, you know, it, it started very differently. You know, the original idea was, is, hey, why don't we open up a retail location uh, with a wine bar? And, uh, you know, we went out west to like California, Oregon, you know, uh, visited all these wineries. And then it kind of just fizzled out. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not that anything went wrong. It was just like, oh, it'd be a good idea. And then it's kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, and everything happens for a reason. And, you know, we were having a hard time finding property, you know, a piece of land that we really wanted. Um, and we just kind of said, let's just put this all on hold. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, uh, I'd say, July of 2021, where, I don't know, it was just like that light bulb or it was like, well, instead of the retail thing, you know, why don't, this is what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. And we said, well, let's see if it's even possible. You know, and then the more and more we started looking into it, you know, it wasn't this like turn on a light switch where it's like today I'm deciding that we're doing this, mm-hmm. right? It was, let's look into it. What would be entailed in it? You know, what, what, what would it take for us to do this? And like, before you knew it, we had already applied for licensings with the federal government, and the TTB, and it's like, and we're in it, mm-hmm. you know, it was like this gradual, you know, into formation basically. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So when... You, so you, you guys launch and then, so you kind of had an advantage working in the, in the industry, but you had a lot of contacts that had already like restaurants and businesses and probably retail places that you work with. Um, so was that part a pretty easy transition then? Well, uh, it it definitely helped, Mm -hmm. you know, definitely helps. I mean, uh, I would, you know, consider those people that you're talking about, like, you know, my, my core partners, mm-hmm. right? The, you know, the people that I, I could and did, you know, show up at the door and just say, Hey man, you know, here's the news, here's what's going on now. And they were just like, man, it's awesome. We would love to support in any way that we can, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, those are like the building blocks, right. To get us up off the ground for sure. You know, but yeah, I mean, those came from, you know, servicing people since 2017, building relationships. I mean, you know, we, you know, these are people that we know each other intimately, and, uh, you know, we, we trust one another. I mean, when you're doing business, you gotta be able to trust somebody. For sure. Right. You know? Yeah. So, um, so you, um, that's the wrong page. Um, so coming into this, this business, you had a pretty vast knowledge. What's something that maybe the average person might not know about wine that makes what you do so important? Well, I mean, uh, you know, wine is, is very comp can be very complex. Yeah. And uh one of the great things about wine is, you know, nobody will ever, you know, quote unquote, know it all. Right. Mm-hmm. It's constantly changing. It's yeah. constantly evolving and morphing. I mean, from vintage to vintage. I mean, so to answer your question more directly is what's something people maybe don't know. Uh, you know, wine is an agricultural product. Okay. You know, it's these are vines that are plant planted, tended to. Okay. It's an agricultural product. So yeah, every vintage is different, you know, so uh, 
you know, 2013 might have been a great year for Northwest Italy. And then, you know, uh, 2017, 2018 wasn't. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same wine from the same producer. Why is it different? Well, the weather was different. Mm-hmm. Right? The growing conditions were different. So that's also part of the excitement, right? Whereas uh, every year you're, you're, dealing with, you're dealing with a whole new playing field, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah, I think some people, sometimes people might overlook that or not know that. And, you know, this isn't bourbon, mm-hmm. right? It's not scotch. Or vodka, where a very know, controlled process, very controlled, yeah. process, very controlled right? Um, now that's not to say that there aren't quote unquote wines out there, yeah, that are treated that way, a very controlled process. And from vintage to vintage, there is no variation, mm-hmm. and there's also no uh, it's limitless bottles, right? They're never going to sell out in the vintage because it's, it's more of a manufactured yeah. product, you know, um, as an importer you know, the wines that we focus on, that we seek out, that we represent would be the antithesis of that. Like I said, an agricultural product. It's more wines of, uh, wines made from, of place, right? Mm -hmm. So you brushed on this, but I wanted to get a little bit more into it about the climate. What, what is it about the climate and the different cycles that our climate sees that make or break a wine? Oh, that's a lot. Yes. You know, it's pretty, it's a pretty complex question because it also depends on the grape, right? You know, Cabernet mm-hmm. is known for being able to withstand cold climates okay. and extremely, extremely hot climates. Yeah. Right. That's why it's one of the most planted grapes in the world because it can grow almost anywhere given the right circumstances. Right. Mm-hmm. You take a wine, I'm sorry, you take a grape like Nebbiolo, right. Which um, comes from, the Longue region, northwest, uh, northwest Italy, which goes to make Parolo. Um, that is a very, very specific climate where that grape can, can withstand. You can't plant that in 98% of the mm-hmm. world. I, some people do, and sometimes they make some really cool iterations of it, but like generally speaking, you can't, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there, uh, it depends on the grape. And then other than that, I mean, it's, you know, how much sun it's getting, how hot it's getting, you know, is there a rainfall, how much rainfall happened, you know, where are your vineyards at, you know, if they're at a high elevation and with a, you know, a a good incline, right. um, Those vines can withstand more rain because it's going to feed the vine, but since you're on that incline at the high high elevation, the rain's running off, Mm -hmm. right. So it's the vines aren't sitting in the water, not growing, searching for food right now. If you're on the quote unquote Valley floor and you're just sitting in that water, well, that vine's not going to grow very well or produce very good fruit. So, um, yeah, there, there's many, many factors that can go into, you know, having a good vintage or a bad vintage or, uh, again, depending on what grape you're trying to grow in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so we started off super complex. Yeah. Now, let's break, <laughs> let's break it down into, like, something incredibly simple. So, I am um, I'm a beer guy. Sure. I'm a whiskey guy. I'm not really a wine guy. Like right. if somebody gives, like if I'm out and like, like let's say I'm at a party tonight that we will be attending. We will be. And there's a bottle of wine there that somebody's passing around. I'll take, I'll take a glass and I'll enjoy it. But sure. I don't know, like I could hardly tell you the difference between a cab and a, or a cab, <laughs> a cab and like a, yeah. you know, a Merlot. A Merlot. Yeah. So break down like the, <clears throat> the major different types of wine that there are like the different categories and just give me like a brief, like description of sure. for, for the person who is like, I, I, I know what wine is, but I don't know anything about it. Like, right. give me like a, a like a 
Talk yeah. to me like I'm five. Sure. Well, so you brought up a good point. First and foremost, you know, often I'll have, you know, people know what I do and they'll say, oh, you know, I don't really like wine. It's not for me. I don't know anything about, I mean, literally what you just said. Yeah. Right? And I always tell them the same thing, which was told to me mm-hmm. multiple times by, by different people that weren't in the same room at the same time. Right. It constantly came up in conversation. Like if you want to know more about wine, you want to learn more about wine, drink more of it. Mm-hmm. Drink and drink often is what I was told. You know? <laughs> it's good advice. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm working right now. You know, what do you want from me? You know? uh, but it's true. You know, like if you've tasted one Chardonnay in your life mm-hmm. and you're like, ah, you know, it's not for me. I don't like Chardonnay. Okay. Well, you know, there are thousands of iterations of Chardonnay just domestically before we even start talking about, you know, white Burgundy, which mm-hmm. is one of the greatest wines in the world, which is 100% Chardonnay and all the different villages. So, and it's true, right? So if you'd tried 10 or 12 Chardonnays, you, before you even realize it, you start sounding like a wine geek. You're like, yep. you know, I don't like Chardonnays from the so- Southern California, but I started noticing I really like Chardonnays from France. Like, oh my God. Okay. I sound like a wine nerd now, yeah. you know, but yeah, I mean, the main, I'd say like the main grapes, of course, you know, domestically Chardonnay, uh, white wine varietal, it's a fuller bodied wine, okay. right? So for somebody who maybe is a beer drinker, right? Um, being fuller, lusher of a wine, that might be something that take that first step to, you mm-hmm. know, uh, domestically, we plant a lot of Cabernet, you know, Napa, Napa Valley is known for their Cabernets. Um, those are very, <clears throat> excuse me. Those are, you know, and, and I'll preface this with everything is always producer specific, okay. right? You know, each producer, each, you know, chef more or less is making their own wines, right? But generally speaking, Cabernets, uh, particularly domestically, those are, very large, full-bodied, very tannic or, or dry. Um, those, are, those are powerful wines. Mm-hmm. Um, on the flip side of that, you know, you have Pinot Noir. Okay. Okay, so Pinot Noir is another major grape. Now, it's very light-bodied. Okay? So if you had a Cabernet and a Pinot Noir, you held them up to each other, typically the Cabernet is going to be, you know, a much darker, you know, dark purple color. Okay. Whereas the Pinot Noir, you, it's translucent. I mean, you can see through it. Okay. So those are lighter-bodied, more um, nuanced flavors, whereas the Cabernets have more powerful flavors. So could you make a comparison that a, a Cab would be more similar to like a craft beer and then a Pinot would be more similar to like a Miller Lite or something like that? Is that or is that just a crappy comparison? Um, it's not 100% crappy. Um, but if I, if, if I had to use that comparison, and again, wine is subjective. Okay. I can put a wine in front of you and tell you it's the greatest wine in the world. I paid $500 a bottle for it. You only make 20 of them and, you, and, and your re- response could be cool. Yeah. And vice versa. Right. Yeah. So for my personal palate, you know, I, if I had to use that analogy, I would actually flip it. Okay. I would say that the nuanced craft beer that's unique and uh, has that touch of specialty would typically be more found in Pinot Noirs. Okay. Whereas Cabernets might be a little more, you know, cut, rinse, repeat. Now, okay. I'm not the biggest Cabernet fan. So, again, it's a little bit of a biased, okay. uh, you know, uh, opinion, but it'd be mine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, Italian wine um, is one of the many reasons why I, just, I, I'm, I love Italian wines. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, there's so much nuance and you know in every region you go to i mean there's vastly different wines and grapes that are only grown in this region you're not going to find in that region um it's like a especially for white wine Mm -hmm. which i'm a big white wine drinker 
you know, going into Italy as a white wine drinker is like being a kid in a candy shop, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, uh, so tell me a little bit about, um, Merlot. Sure. So, you know, Cabernet Merlot, um, you know, we started planting those here domestically, um, mimicking Bordeaux. Okay. Right? Bordeaux, France. So Bordeaux are some of the greatest wines in the world. There's also tend to be some of the most expensive wines in the world. Um, and what Bordeaux, what Bordeaux does is they blend Cab and Merlot together. Okay. Right? So when the United States, when we realized like, Hey, we can make good wine too. We started planting Cabernet and Merlot. Um, now Merlot got a bad rap because of a movie that came out in the eighties that just dogged on Merlot and okay. it absolutely affected the market. No kidding. And I mean, this was back mid eighties and like just now, like things are just starting to like, Merlot starting to come back be a little more pop. I mean, it got to the point where these producers were re- literally ripping up their Merlot vines and started planting either Cabernet or Zinfandel because no oh. one's buying it. But Merlot is a great grape. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it. When I describe Cabernet as being this like you know big bold tannic, you know very upfront fruit flavors, Merlot would be like maybe just a, a notch down from that. Okay, right. So just a little bit more of a lighter body than that. And this, I mean, it's, that's a kind of you know the most complex description, but in layman's terms, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. What's another What's another type that we haven't talked about yet? Uh, well, I mean, you know, in Italy, um, so I drink a lot of Lange Nebbiolo. Okay. So, you know, Nebbiolo is, as I mentioned, the grape that uh, when grown in the town of Barolo or grown in the town of Barbaresco and meets certain requirements, takes on the name of the town. So Barolo and Barbaresco are considered the king and queen of Italian wine. Um, and Nebbiolo is, you know, unique for many reasons, but after describing, you know, Cab Merlot and Pinot Noir, so, you know, Nebbiolo is most of the time translucent see-through, mm-hmm. right? So it appears to be very light-bodied. It's also one of the most tannic and powerful wines, right? So it's, it's this oddity. It's both at the same time. Um, and I, I mean, I love Nebbiolo. I mean, that's, you know, in, in, in Italy, in France, in a, in a lot of parts of the world, but since we're talking about Italy, you know, they're for, for you know, however long, thousands of years, they're making wines specifically to go with their cuisine, mm-hmm. right? So in Piedmont, it's a big beef town, right? Piedmontese beef, uh, it's one of the most healthy beefs you can have, right? So for years, they're making wine mm-hmm. to accompany their food. Right? Okay. So typically, if you go to a steakhouse, you know, um, you look at their wine list, it's littered with Napa Cab, Napa Cab, Napa Cab, Napa Cab, you mm-hmm. know? And the, the Italian guys would say, you guys are doing it wrong. Okay. You know, Nebbiolo, you know, you, you don't want to overpower the flavor of the steak. You mm-hmm. want it to complement the steak. Yep. So when you're tasting Nebbiolo by itself, unless you're a nut job like me, most people will say like, it's almost, it's harsh on their palate. Like it's very tannic, mm-hmm. you know, but when you eat it with a piece of steak, you know, the wine really flourishes, mm-hmm. right? The, the harshness goes away from it. I mean, it counteracts with the fat and the acid in the steak and it just blossoms into this like, you know, incredible wine. That's amazing too. And that's something that I never quite understood in, even like I worked at a, at a really nice steakhouse for mm. a few months and last year. And that was one thing that the, like the servers were adamant about and the servers there knew exactly which wines would pair good with like certain steaks and certain menu items. Sure. And they yeah. would be able to recommend based on that. And that's something like I never quite understood, but like that's a very universal concept in the wine world. Yeah. I mean, you know, so you know, um, with old world wines, so talking about old world, like talking about Italy, France, um, you know, 
those wines are made to accompany a meal. Mm-hmm. Now, there are wines that are produced as to be drank like as a cocktail. Would, right? What's an example of something that would be designed to be drank at, like as a cocktail? Yeah, like, like some fun whites. Okay, um, you know, or it could be like a rosé that they make, um, or like you know, a sparkling wine. You know, these are yeah, just hanging out, talking. You know, more of a cocktail, right? But most of their wines are specifically made to go with cuisine, right? So they could be great on their own, and many of them are. Mm-hmm. But you're only getting like, you know, a fraction of of the picture, right? It's like, cause I like I said, I, I love drinking Nebbiolo by itself. That's nothing compared to drinking Nebbiolo while having it with, you know, pork or steak or mm-hmm. you know something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's uh, and and you'll find that you know in the regions. I mean, you go to Chianti in Tuscany. You know, the Chianti wines that they're producing, you know, it's not a coincidence that, you know, happen to pair very, very well with their local cuisine. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's all up and down. Like I said, all up and down Italy. Okay. Yeah. Um, any other types of wine that you could get into or did, did you just about cover it all? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, Italy is, is great because you go up and down the boot and there's very, very unique wines, you know, to, to those regions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and even some of these wines might be using grapes that are similar or, you know, offshoots of a clone of a grape. Um, but, you know, coming from this part of Italy and not that far away, I mean, just, you know, a block or two down the road, mm-hmm. um, producing vastly different wines. And that has to do with their soil, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, great wines in, in Italy, Montepulciano, Abruzzo is fantastic. Of course, Chianti, um, Barolo Barbaresco. Um, the Sicilians are are starting to make some world class wine, okay, which was not really a thing like for most of history, uh, but that started to change. So um, yeah, Etna Rosso and Etna Bianco coming mm-hmm. from the northeast uh, part of the island. A lot of these vines are you know planted in like a dormant you know volcano side and and uh, produce some really really interesting wines. Okay, but, yeah, no, that's awesome. All right, so now that we've got the wine 101 kind of sure. knocked out, yeah. um, let's move kind of, let's switch gears and talk a little bit about more what you do specifically. Sure. Um, so you've got three bottles of wine sitting behind you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm a customer right now. Let's right. let's play a game, Wolf of Wall sure. Street. Sell me that wine. Sure. <laughs> All right. So uh, this is a, a historic estate. So this is uh, Fratelli Cerro. Hold Batista. it up to the camera so we can Oh, yeah. Get Fratelli Cerro uh, Batista Morgogno. Cool. So uh, they were the first estate that was perched atop of the Canubi Hill. Okay. And so Canubi is a very famous vineyard in Barolo. Um, so they've been around for a while, and uh, the current owners are uh, Emanuela and uh, Federica, and they're just knocking it out of the park. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when the company's been around for that many years, you can assume there's been different iterations as time goes on, right? But where they're at right now is you know, a big emphasis on organic farming practices, incorporating biodynamic farming practices. Um, they have, you know, the focus is less on quantity, more on quality. Um, and this is their Barbera Delba. So the grape is Barbera, okay. right? And Delba means, you know, from Elba. Okay. So Elba is a town okay. inside of uh, Piedmont. So essentially Barbera Delba is Barbera from the town of Elba. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a 20% whole cluster production. So, uh, while they, you know, will pick the grapes off the vine to, you know, turn them into wine, 20% of what's going in there is, you know, just like think of like holding up like grapes at a grocery store, like stem and everything going in there. Mm-hmm. And what that does, that's uh, a wine practice that's, you know, used throughout, you know, all regions, not specific to Italy. 
but it's going to add like a little bit of like a savoriness to it. Okay. Uh, and this wine is, uh, goes through a short maceration, like nine to 12 days. And, you know, the longer the maceration, like the deeper the color, maybe the more, more tannins it's going to produce. Um, so with like a short maceration and a short time in stainless aging, stainless steel, as opposed to aging in wood, mm -hmm. what you get is this very bright, fresh, fruity, easy drinking barbarian. Okay. And uh, so like as somebody who said, well, I don't know anything about Italian wine, but I, you know what? I love Cabernet. But even back when I was in restaurants, I'd say, hey, you know what? Try a Barbera. Like, because there's a lot of similar notes there. Fruity, big, easy to drink, luscious, you know. Uh, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. No, that's good. So somebody, um, what's the name of your company again? Uh, Decanter and Coop Imports. Okay, cool. I've got a little uh, screenshot here pulled up. If you go to decantercoopimports.com, um, you can uh, not, you can't obviously sell on your website, but there's just some basic information up there about what you do. Um, if there's a business or a prospective customer that you're, you know, that you're looking to partner with, um, what, what do they, what do they get by working with you? Well, you know, first and foremost, you know, as an importer, uh, you're, you're dealing with that portfolio, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, what we specialize in is Italian wine, you know, our, our portfolio right now is 100% Italian. Um, as the portfolio continues to grow, when we start to incorporate different regions, um, even, you know, five, 10 years from now, Italy will always be the focal point of the portfolio. So mm -hmm. if people are in the market for Italian wine, which not everybody is, mm -hmm. you know, but if you're in the market for Italian wine, uh, what we like to try to offer is a couple of things. One, we're going to have multiple reference points. So in the region of Abruzzo, you know, we don't have just one Montepulciano. You know, we, 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 right now we have two, mm -hmm. right? Different price points, different um, styles of production. Um, so instead of just offering, you know, a single Chianti, a single Barolo, a single Montepulciano, right? we want to have multiple options in all of those regions at different price points, different production styles. Um, yeah. And, and the, you know, it's, it's the personal touch. So, you know, all of these, all of these producers and these estates, you know, th these were, these were handpicked. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was a grueling process. You know, it's not like we had um, our eyesight on one producer and it was part of a larger supplier book. And I said, well, if you want that producer, you got to take these five on. Like, mm -hmm. no, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. These were all individually picked, handpicked specifically for, you know, their quality. And, and the other thing is, you know, we focus on, you know, you know, uh, in the industry, we call it quote unquote real wine, okay. you know, but these are, these are family ran estates that, you know, own the vineyards that are working in the vineyards. These aren't manufactured products that are, um, brands per okay. se. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and, and you, by going over there, you've met directly with some of these, um, oh, all, of them. all of them. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we started uh, communicating, I'd say, in late January. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, these were multiple conversations that took place leading up, you know, to like the second week in April, you know, and that involved, you know, they're qualifying me, I'm qualifying them, you know, it's, you know, would we be a good business fit? Would we be good partners? Uh, you know, them sending samples, you know, mm -hmm. to, to the house and, you know, talking about pricing and how that would look and, you know, when are your wines released, you know, timing up, are they going to be able to get onto the shipping container in time, you know? And then in April, um, you know, Vin Italy is the largest wine trade show in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's 100% Italian wine. 
Uh, and they hadn't had it for two years. So this this was back in April. This was the first time they were having it in two years. So there was definitely like an excitement and a buzz. Like yeah. Italy's back, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and it, having us not met face to face, and the timing just worked out great. Mm-hmm. So Chelsea and I, you know, we went out to Italy, and even though we'd already been almost covered all the bases with with the producers, it was more of a we're gonna start doing business. Let's meet face to face. Let's shake hands. Yeah. And it, yeah. and it's you know, it was absolutely I believe crucial to to the business. For us to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So um so right now most of your customer base is probably on the east side of the state, or have you guys grown to maybe the Lansing or the West Side yet? So right now we go as far as uh Ann Arbor. Okay. Yeah. Um we'd like to open up Grand Rapids, you know, in the springtime of next year. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing with us just starting out, and this, I mean this is for any business in any industry. You know, you want to be careful that you don't grow too quick, too fast. For sure. You, you don't have want to, to be able to scale properly. And you don't want to drop the ball on people. Yep. Right. Like I said, business is a trust thing. It's like a really, it's a really, it is a relationship, not like a relationship. It is. It a is a relationship. Right. Yeah. So like, you know, if someone's, you know, willing enough to, to give us part of their business that they've built, mm-hmm. you know, they blood, sweat and tears with their own money. And now they're trusting in us to give us a fraction of that business. Like, we, you know, we don't take that kindly. I mean, we take that very seriously. Yeah. And we want to make sure that we do everything right, not drop the ball on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and once we're confident that we're doing that, we're operating at a level. Okay, now let's see if we can go out and grab one or two more prospects or whatever, you know, as opposed to, hey, we got inventory, sell it. Mm-hmm. You know, there, yeah. there's, there's no long, there's no longevity. In that. For sure. You know, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So right now we go from the east side of the state, you know, through Birmingham, Detroit. Uh, getting into uh, Northville, Plymouth, Ann Arbor. Um, and we're kind of just capped there right now, mm-hmm. you know, per our standards. Yep. Uh, but yeah, going into March of next year, um, Grand Rapids is such a great town. It is. I mean, it's, it is. I, I love Grand Rapids. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, I don't think I'd ever move from here. All my family's here. But mm-hmm. if I ever did move one time, it, it'd be likely Grand Rapids. Okay. Cool. And it's a great wine town. It is. Great wine. It is. Yeah. So um, it's, believe me, it's, it's, um, it's like having to slap my own hand. Mm-hmm. Like I want, I'd drive out there on Monday and if, you know, I'd like to, but it's like, no, you can't yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So two, two, two and a half hour drive or so. And yeah. you know, well, but. and it's, you know, and then <clears throat> you mentioned Lansing, yep. right? So we're at Ann Arbor, you know, mm-hmm. from Grand Rapids to hit Lansing. Now, now we can make that a whole, a whole route. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Well, cool. Um, well, Sal, can't thank you enough. Uh, anything else that we didn't get to that you wanted to talk about? How? Let's say somebody hears this maybe on your yeah. website, maybe on my podcast. They want to get in touch with you, ask you some questions. What's a good way to reach you? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, on the website is uh, my phone number, my email address. Okay. Um, uh, email is always the best way to contact me. But okay. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, Michigan's our home state. So this is, of course, where we're starting is we're getting mm-hmm. off the ground. Um, I would love to, you know, I'd say, you know, 10 years from now, I would like, the, uh, I vision decanter and coop imports would be importing, you know, throughout the Midwest, you know, Michigan down to Florida. Okay. Uh, but, but baby steps, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So I'll put the link to the website in the description. Um, Sal, can't thank you enough for coming thank on you, the man. show. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah. And uh, we will catch you on the other side. If you're still listening, we can't thank you enough for tuning in. Um, make sure if you're listening on the audio channel, I've got the link to our YouTube in the description and vice versa. If you're listening on YouTube, Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. We greatly appreciate that. And uh, this has been episode 29 of the Rakowski Podcast Network, Out of the Rut Show. Um, Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. (laughs) 